Well, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 17. And we're going to be reading verses 11 through 19 this morning. Luke 17, 11 through 19. And we'll stand for the reading of God's word. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pause this day of the week to gather together and to hear your word. And we want to see Jesus today, and we want to give him thanks for who he is and what he has done. And I pray that it would make a lasting difference in our life, in those who know you already, and in those who don't. So I ask that your spirit would be at work, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's not common to hear of other generations kind of criticizing another generation for something that they lack. And you might have heard some generations say of another, this generation, they just don't give thanks. They lack a lot of gratitude. They're not like us in that regard. And I'd imagine that was probably said of every generation, not specific to a single one. But in a sense, they're not actually wrong, are they? It's, it's quite biblical that the problem, and part of the problem, why we're in this broken world, why we're suffering, why we're living in where we're living, is due to a lack of thankfulness. Romans 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 20, verse 21 says that we are living in this world in sin and apart from God because we don't honor him and give thanks to him. So we would rather do what we want, run after what we want, cling to what we want, and give thanks for those things. But it really is an unsatisfying life, and it doesn't take long living down here to realize that life apart from God is only a sliver of life at best. So we, we often try to give thanks. You know, we're teaching our, our young children. If you have fam a family here, you try to teach your, your young children, girls and boys, how to say thank you. Sometimes we do it, just uh, the word, it just means nothing. It's not out of a genuine heart or try to make your kids say thank you for broccoli. It's, it's, quite, it's quite difficult. 
And that's, that's just the case. That can often be what our thanks, when we do say thanks, looks like. It's perfunctory and lacks heart and passion and genuineness. So we can be like the world and say that's true about this generation or that generation, or we can be honest and say that that's actually true of our own hearts, and that this lack of gratitude can seep into this very building amongst people who God has saved and showered upon us every blessing in the heavenly places, and yet we can walk around as thankless people. So we need a reminder. We need to be in Luke 17, verses 11 through 19 today. And be reminded of what our joy is rooted in and how we can become people of joy. We need to be reminded of a person. So we're going to look at this text in three sections. The first one is a need for mercy, and that's going to be 11 through 14a. In the second section, it's all about a person, and that's verses for the rest of four, second half of 14 through 16. And then we're going to look at the source of thanksgiving is saving faith. And that is in 17 and 19. So in need for mercy, it's all about a person. And then the source of thanksgiving is saving faith. So let's look now at the first section, a need for mercy. Let's read verse 11 together. On the way to Jerusalem, this is Jesus obviously moving towards Jerusalem. He was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he preached, he entered a village. He was met by 10 lepers. So we see here Jesus is on the move. He's out. And if you read other parts of Luke, he's preaching. And he's going out and preaching and preaching. And he's on the move, but his movements are not random. His movements have a destination. There's an end. It says he was on the way to Jerusalem. And this is said a few other times in Luke as well. So right here at the outset of our chapter, of our verses... We're obviously, we're brought back into a bigger picture. Something big is going on. And, and the author is letting us know that Jesus is on his way to, to Jerusalem. And his life has a mission and a purpose to it. Makes me think of what Jesus told Zacchaeus in Luke 19.10. He said that he had come out to meet people like Zacchaeus. That he's come to seek and save the lost. That's Jesus' purpose. And it's all wrapped up in Jerusalem and what's going to happen in Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us quite plainly, and Jesus himself tells us what is expected of Jerusalem, suffering, mocking, and death, but that he would rise again. So we're seeing a bigger picture here right off the bat. And Jesus can't wait to tell people about it because he's out preaching the kingdom of God. So he's on, his, on the move. So he says here in verse 11, he's passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And he, as he entered a village. So we see he's in these Gentile areas. And he's come across a village. And it simply remained nameless. It's of no notoriety. There's no reason to even name the town. And he's met 10 lepers. They as well don't even merit their names. They're just known as what they would have been known of in that society. And that is just lepers. There's a leper. So he's in this desolate area and he's met 10 lepers. So this group, it tells us about them. They've gathered here and they're waiting for Jesus. It says, as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices. You can just feel the separation in this text. 
Here's these 10 lepers and there's a village and they're standing away from that village and they're calling at a distance to Jesus. To be a leper was to be someone who lived in agony, someone whose body was in decay, someone who was ceremonially unclean, someone who would have been, wouldn't have been allowed in religious facilities, and someone who was united in agony. They were separated from society. The relationships were severed. They weren't in the village. So they had to stand and cast their voices upon him from afar. One commentator even said that they had to stay all the time 50 paces away from somebody else. It wasn't a nice life. And we see that in the text. They stood at a distance. And what's worse is not only being a leper, but having to be completely and continually reminded of your situation in life. And sadly, they had to do this to themselves, for the law said that they had to, when they went about, yell, unclean, stay away, I'm not right, I'm unworthy. So they were preaching their own unworthiness, their own uncleanness. Think about that kind of life. Maybe you're here this morning, and that's how you feel. Does God care? Does God care about my state? Our thanksgiving often rises and falls when we understand what God cares about. Does he have an ear for my need? Does he care for someone who is as unclean as I? Who is as unworthy as I? Who feels so separated from religion and people that look like they have their lives all put together? What does he think about me? And sadly, we can become believers of our own whispers, believers of these things. And it might have been true for these lepers. So if that's you this morning, let's keep reading together. So here these men were with a shared plight. They've lifted up their voice to Jesus. And so we read in verse 13, that's what they've done. And they say this, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. There might be no other word that resonates with this broken world better than the word mercy. We feel it often, don't we, in our, in our state, in our brokenness. I just need mercy. And they know this. So they look to Jesus, the master, and they ask him for mercy. And they know that he can provide it. Maybe they've heard. Maybe they're there waiting because they know that Jesus has done things in the past, like touched lepers, healed paralyzed people, cured hands that were withered, raised the dead. It's hard to know what they knew about Jesus. But they knew he was worthy of bringing their plea too. So this is the setting. In verse 14, we read, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. It's a bit of an odd thing to say. We might not expect the story to go like that. We might expect Jesus to do what he's done in the past. Maybe touch them, maybe go over and, and have a close encounter with them. But he doesn't. He simply says to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? But it's not odd at all, actually. Jesus is, is doing what the law actually said for people that, that had leprosy to do, and that's go and show yourself to a priest, and you go through the whole ordeal. They would look you over, and if you were unclean, they'd say, no, you have still leprosy, and if you were clean, they'd say, okay, you're free to go down this path of rituals and ceremonies. You can find that in Leviticus 13, 14. But it's still, it's a bit odd. They had to act on faith. They had to take Jesus at his word. So they lifted up their voices. They called him. Jesus responded. Seems a bit odd, but they left. 
But we should notice that Jesus responded immediately. He responded with mercy. How does the Son of God respond when someone brings to him their plight, their misery? He responds. It's a beautiful testimony to Jesus' care and concern that he's shown all through the Gospels for people in need. So this must have been an amazing thing to hear if you were a leper. They would have turned as they did in our text. It says they heeded Jesus' words and they went towards Jerusalem. And you can imagine the enthusiasm at what was awaiting them. What would await them? A declaration that you're clean. Maybe I can get back into the path of rituals. Maybe I can be declared clean and get back into society. Enjoy all those things that I once had that I've lost for these number of years now due to my leprosy. They would have had much joy on their way to Jerusalem, to the priests. So the master had spoken, and we do here in verse 14. And as they went, they were cleansed. A miracle has happened. Something fantastic, life-changing. These ten lepers were lepers no more. And it's amazing when we see Jesus like this, we, don't, we should see him for who he is. He's not just the one that has care and concern and pity for those people in need. He's the one who has the power to bring mercy about. He has the power to speak and they're healed. This is Jesus, the son of God. Pictured before us in our text, the one who with a word can heal. So there was mercy asked for from lepers and there was mercy received. But this leads us to our second point. It's all about Jesus. It's all about a person. Verse 14, through the rest of 14 through 16 reads this, and as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. I was once at a wedding and I heard a wedding speech given by a groomsman and he spoke of how he met the groom and how they developed a friendship. And it went like this. He had a group of friends and he, and he, and he enjoyed them. And then he went out went somewhere around town and he met this person. And he said instantaneously he knew that he wanted to hang around this person. He knew that life was going to be more exciting, better, by being friendship with this person. And that's exactly what we, we all do in different ways. We say, this is worthy of my attention, worthy of my praise, worthy of my time, and I'm going to go in that direction. And the, this man, this cleansed leper, is no different. But he, the object of his attention, the object of his thanks, the object that he runs to is Jesus. It says, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet. So at one point, he was on his way to Jerusalem, realized he was cleansed, and then just peeled off from this group of nine and headed back towards Jesus. I wonder what the others would have thought. Hey, where are you going? <laughs> We're supposed to go to Jerusalem. We're supposed to go see the priest. Why are you going back to see Jesus? You're headed in the wrong direction. But this guy was running exactly where he knew he needed to go. He was gripped by the fact that he didn't know to, needed to go see a priest. Didn't need to go to some structure. Didn't need to go back to some sequence of rituals to get clean. He was running the person who made him clean. He realized something about Jesus. And it tells us something 
What was important to these nine other lepers that were cleansed? It wasn't Jesus. Something else was more important to them, more worthy of them continuing in that direction. And that's amazing when we think about it. Here's nine lepers going towards Jerusalem. One leper is coming back to the man who's going towards Jerusalem to die so that sinners can have their sins cleansed. It's an amazing picture. This one was running not towards the city, but to the one who was going to go into the city and die. He was going in the right direction. And we're not immune to this. We all know what it's like to have uh, other important things creep into our hearts. We can all be running towards other things. Jesus and his work on the cross can easily become one more important thing on top of a pile of other important things. We can all be enamored with what other things can offer. Again, these men were running to what they thought was life. They thought they could bring them wholeness and joy. And we're learning that that's not the case. That they were wrong. We can also resonate with the fact that what Jesus do can often slip just out of view, out of mind. So we need to work hard at putting it back in the place where it should be. And that's the central position in our hearts and in our gaze. And we see here sadly that God's mercy falls on a lot of people and it doesn't always lead to genuine praise. It doesn't always lead to people responding to that mercy in an appropriate way. But this is the beauty of stories like this. They can lead us toward what is appropriate. They can draw us who believe in Jesus back and rekindle that love for Jesus and draw our hearts back up in praise to him. So let's learn from this leper. This man took time to consider. And we need to do that. Stop in our days, especially busy holiday weekends, and consider what is really worth our thanksgiving. These men knew well. They considered their state of leprosy. And now he considered his cleansing. And then he considered the man, Jesus. And he knew that he was the master and he went back to him. So what did he actually realize that those other nine didn't? didn't? Here they were decaying in, in a state of death. And he realized that this one, this master, has the power to heal and the power over death. He realized that he is the most important person. That he could offer so much more than what lay ahead of them in Jerusalem. Jesus could offer so much more. So he turned and went back to him. And we see really what he did consider in verse 15. It says, then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back. Love that picture, turning back. Can't have saving faith without leaving something behind. And it said he praised God. He considered that God was at work through this person, Jesus. Luke says in his book that Jesus went about preaching the kingdom of God. And it's entered into this world through Jesus. And this man recognized that. One, one, one author said he recognized God's power in Christ. Well, there was nothing else for him but to run to Jesus this is the man that God sent, that God sent to make people clean. And he was gripped, and he went back and he worshiped with a loud voice. 
There was a loud voice in the beginning. Help me, have pity on me. And now there's another loud voice and it's saying, thank you, Jesus. Praise be to God. So we're getting a picture here of what conversion looks like. Someone who was in a desperate situation was brought out of it and he turned and to receive the one who claimed to bring about healing from our sin, who healed him of his physical and he trusted him to heal him with his internal, his inward problem. He, he, he looked to him for true wholeness. It's a beautiful picture of humility, unmerited praise and thanksgiving. We've all got dreams. We've all heard people say, I got my dream job, got my dream car, and my dream stage of life. Things are great. But this is the person who would say, I found the one who saved me. I found the one who, like the Samaritan woman said, I can, I've told, he can tell me everything about myself. I've met the master. And it's beautiful because we see that he is the master, but he's the king. He fell down on his face at Jesus' feet. That's reverence due to a king. He has met the king of the kingdom, and he didn't want to miss out on time with him at all. And it's beautiful. We need to rehearse the gospel to ourselves of what Jesus, the king of the kingdom, can do for us. So I thought I'd just read us a few gospel verses to just rekindle that joy because we need reminded of this. And maybe this morning we need to be reminded that Jesus, if we've come to him in faith, has canceled the record of sin and misdeeds that we had on our ledger. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. That's what Jesus has come to do. Cleanse. Cleanse us of our sin. Get rid of the record of our debt. And maybe you're struggling with shame this morning. Let's be reminded of the gospel and how it speaks to that. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says, just hear these verses. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. The Bible gives us many more reasons to praise God for what he's done in Jesus so if you're here this morning and you wonder if God cares, what's God, what God is going to do with you who feels so unclean and unworthy, he sent his own son, Jesus, to be the remedy for our sin, to be the one who bears our shame and cleanses our very hearts. And it's, and it's actually you knowing that about yourself that is one of the keys to receiving Jesus. Look what the text says at the end of verse 16 says, now he was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. He wasn't an insider. He was out. He was doubly affected. He had leprosy and he was a Samaritan. You, probably, you couldn't get worse than that in those days. So knowing he wasn't an insider led him to Jesus. We get a picture here a little bit. And we're going to see more that kind of thinking yourself of, as an insider actually hurts you running to Jesus. So let's look at that now, section three, the source of thanksgiving, saving faith, verse 17 and 19. Then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? 
Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So the picture just comes in clearly now. Here's this man. This man's been saved. This man, when he was turning and when he was running back and he was praising to Jesus, it was out of a heart that was transformed. That Jesus had washed and cleansed and made new. That's what that last section says in verse 19. Your faith has made you well. Literally, your faith has saved you. So faith now rises to the surface. What drew this man to Jesus? It was faith. He was gripped by faith and he ran to Jesus. Jesus gets at this when he asks these questions. He's amazed. He says, we're not 10 cleansed. Did I not do a miraculous thing by cleansing those 10? Where are the nine? He's remarking that they aren't back doing what this cleansed Samaritan did, worshiping at the feet of Jesus. Was not one, not one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Was not one of the nine coming back except for this man? See, the true miracle here is faith. This person recognized Jesus and Jesus is scolding the lack of faith in the nine and he's lifting high faith. Faith for saving. Faith for, for needed to run to Jesus. Faith needed to know him as king and receive all the blessings that come from his lordship. Faith that is, is the roots of praise. We're not going to praise and give genuine thanks to God without faith in what God has done through Jesus Christ. That God has sent the king. And this is a joy that once known and once received is pictured all in Luke. It starts with praise. You don't have to turn there with me, but listen to this. Luke 2.10 says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this... uh, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Joy because the King has come. It ends with praise as well. Luke 24, 52, after Jesus has revealed himself as the King, pointed that he is the King testified to by the whole Old Testament scriptures, he says, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshiped him. And returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually in the temple blessing God. <laughs> they saw Jesus go where? To his rightful place of kingship. The right hand of the Father and they worshipped. And one day, this praising God for what he's done in Jesus to ransom sinners and to cleanse lepers will be sung by a myriad of people. It says in Revelation 5, 13, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. So today, if you're trying to piece together your own joy, if you're trying to hold a situation that's good, really tight, so it doesn't go, so you can stay happy, give it up. Don't try to manufacture joy. Let's not be like a little children either who just give these vague little statements of praise. Let's have true joy 
through knowing Jesus, through knowing what he has done for us, seeing him in all his glory. And part of that is reminding yourself that, hey, I was a leper and I was unclean. And then feasting your eyes and heart on what Jesus has done. The blessings that we receive through simple faith. So for us, I think that's the charge today for us as believers. Make Christ central today. Don't think that a meal is going to make you happy for long. Don't think a special time is going to do it for you. It won't last. But knowing Jesus solidifies that we can have joy in every season, every station of life. And if you're here, you don't know Jesus today. See how Jesus reaches out to those who are in need and see that he can provide. He can heal a leper with his very words. And he went to Jerusalem and he died and he claimed that this death was for the forgiveness of sins in in accord with all the Bible's testimony about what God was going to do. You can trust him. And if you run to him, you will be received with mercy and cleansing. That's worthy of thanksgiving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we marvel that Jesus took on flesh and came down and had time for lepers. We thank you that you who put on a great banquet feast and invited people who were enamored with worldly things and they said no, went to the streets and invited people in the alleys to come. And we thank you that Jesus has made us able to come. So we thank you for the king. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you for Luke 17, 11 through 19, which testifies his love and cleansing power. In Jesus' name, amen.